Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to this Thursday's RB1 Colon, a fantasy football podcast brought to you by FakeTeams.com. I am... Your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined as always by John Barnett and nobody else. It's just us two today. We tried to recruit the fiance, we tried to recruit fake team writers, we tried to read outside of fake teams. No one wants to come on. What's up with that? I, I don't understand. But it's clearly, it's, it's probably not. It's probably not. <laughs> <laughs> they, they learned about your diva status and they're just like, well, I don't know if I can operate with a diva. That's true. It's probably, you know, it's all the guys don't want to sign up to be on a team to, or they're going to have to be, it's a bunch of Martavis Bryant. Exactly. You know? Exactly. On that, on that note, my gosh, I wrote an article today about building cause I was bored. So I figured I'd construct the greatest fantasy wide receiver of all time. Uh, just taking random stats from all different players and combining them and, and just created this amazing stat line. Uh, Antonio Brown is on pace for almost 200 targets. <laughs> which which does kind of lend me to think that like maybe Mark Davis Bryant is kind of onto something. Like if 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 Antonio Brown is is on pace for I think it's 192 targets, like maybe then the offense needs to uh kind of start looking around at the other weapons that they might have and start sharing the ball. I'm trying to think how many targets did um uh, Mike Evans have last year? I've I have no idea. He's he led the league, right? He had two hundred. Yeah. I thought mostly Martavis Bryant's biggest beef was uh, that Juju Smith Schuster's terrible and he knocks <laughs> that. And uh, it's just crazy. I don't know. Oh, it's excellent. I'm I'm really hoping that we can that we as the podcast are correct because we more often are more more often than not we are correct and we like to tell ourselves we are uh, <laughs> and that the Seattle Seahawks embrace embrace the uh, bad boy mentality and just start bringing in every player who doesn't want to play on a team anymore yeah i mean like I, I think that that's been kind of their standard saying like look we just want talent and we're willing to deal with anything else you've got and of course they're one of the most penalized teams in terms of personal fouls in the nfl for years now they right are, because they made, just want. and sometimes exactly made famous done. made famous this year by richard sherman getting penalized three times in one play love it yeah yeah <laughs> Anyways, we got a jam-packed show for you today, as always with the Thursday podcast. We have the injury report. Now, I've spiced things up a little bit. I've made it a little more interesting. So no longer is it the world's fastest injury report brought to you by Pete Reading Roto. No, it is instead the world's most useless injury report in which I read the injury report, but in a very interesting way. So you'll get to hear that for the first time. With the NFL trade deadline this Tuesday, it's Halloween. Halloween is going to be the time when all of these last-second trades get pushed through. Uh, so don't be too on too much of a sugar high. You know, you got to make sure that you balance your sugar after 4 p.m. so that you'll be able to intake 
uh, and, and digest all of the trades that are going on. With that around the corner, we decided to take a look at the NFL and talk about some trades that we would love to see happen uh, to boost players' fantasy value. And I know John did this on his solo podcast, so we figured we'd bring it back since it's topical. Uh, then we hit some scary starts and sits for this Halloween weekend, uh, including a scary Thursday night football game, which none of us really want to see. So <laughs> okay. there you go. This is the world's most useless injury report. Cue the music. In case you thought broken arms healed faster than broken hearts, Costin Palma is done for the year, and so are the Cardinals. Sometimes the heart just never recovers. It's fair. Time to start Macklin on the Ravens again, as Jeremy and Brashad Perryman are likely to return Thursday night action. I call the Panthers running back Jonathan Stewart because he hurt his toe, but also John can because he's likely to play. Cowboys are laying off the Baileys, comma Dan, for next couple of weeks. Don't worry, they'll be drinking again in time for Christmas. It take great and golden for a receiver in the Lions' den, but good holiday for a guy named Kenny. I call him Seldom Gordon because he's seldom healthy, but the Bolts hope their running back is good to go Sunday. The gates is certainly open for Antonio to play. The Vikings will be keen um, and diggings for compliments from those Londoners as they take on the Browns in jolly old England. The Saints' Willie is fully healthy for week eight, which is great as they'll need every inch they can against the Bears. Juju Smith-Schuster should have worn a helmet while riding his bike as he's suffered a concussion and is questionable this week. He's called James Is because Winston is playing Sunday against the Panthers. And finally, it's ironic that Delaney's last name is Walker because he can't walk with a bone bruise and is thus very questionable to play this week. That has been the least helpful injury report. You're welcome. Yeah, no, I think I'm injured. I don't know if I'll make it through the rest of this. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. That is, uh, now you know all the injuries that you needed to know throughout the NFL. So yeah, you're welcome, everyone. There's our dad joke injury section for the week. (laughs) Exactly. So make sure to (laughs) tune back next week as we got even more coming. Um, but getting into the things that we actually care about, because yes, the NFL trade is around the corner, deadline is around the corner. And while while NFL trades are exceedingly rare, uh, especially with you know any kind of name players or, or, or players that have actual kind of weight for a team, you know, it's always fun to speculate and randomly wonder and and you know build perfect pairings that we ultimately want to see. That being said, we have seen you know, pr- two pretty decent trades go down. Um, a few decent trades go down uh, this season. In the offseason, we had Brandon Cooks to the uh, Patriots. We had, there's a big Adrian one there. Peterson. Well, Adrian Peterson Adrian. T- from the Cardinals to the, to the uh, from the Saints to the Cardinals. This offseason, Sammy Watkins uh, to, from the Bills to LA in the Los Angeles Rams. So there could be more trades on the horizon. And with that, John, Give us our the first trade that you would love to see happen at the NFL trade deadline. 
See, and I'm in trouble because I already gave you some. I, I, I already handing out it's gold. True. For you're on. That's called um, a shameless plug. Go back and listen to John Solo does the podcast because now you can hear the full repertoire of John's uh, trades that he wants to see happen. Yeah, and now I'll get a couple more here that I've been thinking the last couple of weeks. Um, with the injury in Miami where we're going to be on their third quarterback, I went and said, you know, Jarvis Landry suddenly, I mean, his value was kind of a very good receiving group. You know, the, their core of receivers is good and strong, but um, they just keep bouncing off these quarterbacks, kind of mid-tier quarterbacks, but losing them either way. Um, my thought is Jarvis Landry would be a wonderful fit with the New York football giants. Uh, you, yeah. I mean, like they're hurting <laughs> at receiver core. Shocking. And he's in a group that's hurting at the uh, quarterback. Get them another great athletic receiver up there to kind of take over some of those things that the, they need done. Yeah. And I mean, you would be reuniting. They both were LSU guys, right? Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. they played together, right? Yes. They were they're drafted a year apart. Yep. Um, I mean, he's had good numbers. He started off kind of slowly. Jar Jarvis Landry, that is. He's had uh, 10, 12, and 15 under Yahoo standard scoring over the last three weeks. Um, but yeah, his projections now are down to like sevens and fives, it looks yeah. like, for a lot of the rest of the year. So yeah, putting him with giving Eli just somebody else to get the ball to would be useful at this point. And it would help Eli's numbers and would help Jarvis's numbers. And uh, that would be great for any of us who own either of those, which I don't own Eli. <laughs> uh, it would be a good test run for the Giants as Jarvis is his rookie contract is up at the end of the year. And so they could see whether or not they want to re-sign him, give him a long-term deal, and at the very least want to replace what they tried to do with Brandon Marshall with a much younger receiver. All right. Where are you heading on this? I also touched on most of both of my guys are wide receivers. Then I have a super sneaky secretive one. That is called a tease. Uh I was trying to think of running backs, but I, I couldn't really find any matchups that I wanted. But anyways. My first trade that I would love to see, give Matt Stafford the speedster deep threat that he's been missing ever since Calvin Johnson retired. The Baltimore Ravens are just a, a wasteland of fantasy talent. We've talked about this, you know, week in, week out. There's just there's just no point for them to even be around on your fantasy team. So why? what do they do? They trade Mike Wallace, Mike Wallace to the Lions. We know Stafford has a can for an arm, and he needs the Lions offense, needs a receiver that can take the top off a of defense. And Wallace, despite the fact that you know he's a little old and, and pushing his age, he's still got legs under him. He went over 1,000 yards last year in receiving, and he's got 15.5 yards per catch this year. The, offense, the Lions offense is lacking that explosive play in the passing game, and adding a speedster deep threat like Mike Wallace, I think, would do a lot to open up the underneath for Eric Ebron and for Golden Tate when he's healthy and for uh, Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay for, for the receivers to operate and just really push all those safety coverage deep uh, and give Matt Stafford plenty of room to pass the ball. I like it. It's, it's interesting. I mean, I think I think Matt Stafford's uh, cannon arm is, is overrated to a degree. Uh, I think he can throw the ball deeply, but I think it's mostly – he puts so much air under it when it's deep and uh, I have put this in several different places, but I think Matthew Stafford's kind of air 
kind of airy kind of lofted deep balls are one of the things that slowed up and ended Kelvin Johnson's career early because he got hit a ton. So it just could have been thrown better. Hot take. I like it. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we have to mention also Darren Fells is one of the guys who can be helped because he seems because he's he now has fantasy relevance. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a good take, though, in terms of, of Wallace, because none of the guys that the Lions currently have do that. They're, I mean, Jones and Tate aren't speedsters. They're, they're zone breakers underneath in that they're smart receivers and they're shifty. I mean, they get yards after the catch, but it's not just because they burn guys down the field. It's because, you know, they can make someone miss and do a couple more yards or add something to it. So that would be it would be something they don't have. And that could be interesting there. So that would be an interesting take on that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think you it gives especially Golden Tate, who is regarded across the league as someone who gets a lot of yards after after catch because he's I mean, basically runs like a running back. He's able to make people miss and he's big and physical. I think it would giving him more space to operate in uh, is only going to help the Lions offense move the ball down the field. Moving on. John, give us your second trade that you would love to see occur at the NFL trade deadline. Uh, my second one was also due to quarterback injuries. Which are I'm just, sensing a theme around the NFL. It's everywhere this year. Just a lot of people can hurt. Um, one place where we saw somebody get hurt and somebody step up and have a great game was in Carolina. Uh, or Tampa Bay, I'm sorry. It was in Tampa Bay. Uh, it's going to be confused because they were playing them earlier. So I'm getting that in my mind. Um, Tampa Bay had uh, Winston went down and they put Fitzmagic out there. He would be great going someplace as somebody who can do it. He has good numbers. Uh, he, he's, you know, he's not a killer quarterback. He's not like the guy you're building your franchise around. But when people are saying things like, oh, anyone who could sign Ryan Fitzpatrick clearly is racist against Kaepernick. Fitzpatrick is a solid NFL player. Like he's not terrible. No the game partway through the game and still through uh, 22 of 32, 290 yards, three touchdowns brought them back from being blown out to almost winning that game. Um, he was the, he was the, uh, I helped no one nominee last two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. They lost by five. They were down by five touchdowns and then they lost by five points. Um, he, he, he could be, I mean, where I want to see him moved, where he would instantly have value and add value to a receiving core that now is going to be hurting a little bit is Arizona. Yes. He could fit very well into that system. He's got a good arm. He's a smart player. Uh, he's, he can read. He knows a lot of different systems. He would work very well with Bruce Arians. I think Bruce Arians and him would get along great. Uh, they could run that system very well. They don't need to be particularly mobile to run it. Uh, and I think that that would be a good fit for him. He would instantly just show up into a very good receiving core. Uh, he could have, obviously, I think a Fitzy to Fitzy matchup works out oh, very well. I mean, come on, <laughs> NFL football. God, you've got to give us this. Yes. And then, of course, you know, uh, J.J. Nelson, um, Jerron Brown, and John Brown when he's there. But that's, a, I mean, you have a speedy receiving core. He'd have a smart receiving core, and a coach would let him throw the ball a lot. Uh, he could put up great numbers that would suddenly give us, we need fantasy-relevant quarterbacks again because we've lost so many of them this year. And this would give us that. It would also help those of us who own uh, 
<laughs> some of these Arizona receivers in several leagues uh, have have some more fantasy relevant uh, time here because I could really use having uh, Fitzgerald get me yes. some points because he's been great, but I need him to get me points in several leagues. Um, drafted him as a wide receiver two in a lot of places because he shouldn't be listed as a wide receiver two and should not have been preseason because he's going to end as wide receiver one if he has a quarterback. Right. I think yeah. I think the fits to fits is something that needs to happen. That is a genius point. And and just Bruce Arians and the Cardinals and the and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers need to just start opening up disc- lines of just communications right now, purely based on that factoid. That's just that is too good to pass up. Yeah, to help my fantasy teams. Right, exactly. I mean, I got Fitzy too, Larry Fitzgerald. I need I need Larry Fitzgerald to perform. He's he's been great for me in my flex, and that's when I I need him, especially since. And this is an excellent transition. My wide receiver two has been failing me all year. The hype train is dead. Mark your calendars. Today is the day the hype train died. Oh, just like the music. Terrell Pryor. Uh, the Washington experiment is dead. Uh, clearly, the the uh, Washington did not really – is moved on from Pryor. They were using all of the – basically all their other wide receivers uh, – Monday night against the Eagles and Pryor played minimally, if if at all. So where can Pryor go? Let's get Pryor out of Washington because he didn't build any chemistry with Kirk Cousins, but he is still a very talented receiver and big. He's a big imposing receiver. And what team needs that most? Buffalo Bills. Boom. Pryor is exactly the wide receiver that the Bills have been missing since Watkins. He's a big play guy. Uh, but I think, I think Terrell Pryor, you can get him pretty cheap, uh, especially since he's on a one-year deal. Washington clearly is done with him. Adding him into a decrepit receiving core in Buffalo instantly gives boosts Tyrod Taylor's fantasy relevance. It boosts Terrell Pryor's fantasy relevance uh, and even does a little for LaShawn McCoy because no longer can you stack eight in the box. And if you do, hopefully Pryor is able to take advantage. Yeah, the whole thing, the Washington group is weird because it's not like one guy stepped up and was amazing. And that's why prior has been doing stuff. Right. Like you just look at the stats from last week. They didn't have anybody get 70 yards receiving in that game where their quarterback had 303 yards passing. It's all Nobody Vernon Davis's fault. Yeah. Okay. Here's what I'll get you. So prior had 14 yards receiving two catches on four targets. Um, I'm looking at the guys who outcaught him in terms of yards, just yards. Um, so there's a running back, Thompson, and then yeah, Jameson Crowder, Josh Doxson. Okay, they got ahead of him uh, on two catches and three catches, but three tight ends out yarded him that game. Good lord, <laughs> Miles Paul, Jordan Reed, Vernon Davis, all three of them. Uh, Davis and Reed, yeah, they they both led that team in yardage last week. The only guys to get over forty yards receiving. It's it's weird to read that offense and understand kind of what they're doing. So yeah, like maybe getting him just anywhere. It might not even be him because nobody's really. It's not like, like I said. It's not like somebody else stepped up and took it from right. him. Right. It's just it's just somehow it didn't click, and suddenly the Washington has decided that their offense is going to be led by the triple headed tight end monster of Reed Niles and. Davis, which sounds like a, like an indie folk band. <laughs> and we liked, uh, I think we talked about this before the season. We both liked James and Crowder coming into the year. Yeah. It would be really interesting. He hasn't done anything. 
Uh, that Washington offense, despite the fact that Kirk Cousins seemingly has turned it on and is leading and is a competent quarterback now, just in time to go sign with uh, the 49ers. I'm it's amazing. Like you said, again, and and we hate to you know beat a point until it's a dead horse, because that's how the phrase goes. Um <laughs> there's just it was just there's no one, no one has like has established themselves. It's not like Terrell Pryor got beaten out by another receiver. Terrell Pryor got beaten out by just everyone else in the receiving core. I mean, really, yeah, just no one. Just no one. Move on before I get upset. That's fine. Well, since I had the head start, you have a third one here today, I think you said. And I, I do. And I in our pre uh pre-talks here, we have not I don't know what this one is, so I'm 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 waiting. It's a sneaky one. This is not anchor eagerly eagerly this is my uh this is my attempt to save a team down in florida who for the first time in a long time have this slight taste of playoff football in their mouth the jacksonville jaguars have themselves a playoff caliber defense they have themselves a playoff caliber running attack they have themselves some Decent wide receivers. So, you know, at the very least, there's someone to pass to. Suddenly, uh, Mercedes Lewis has is, is, is rediscovered himself as a, as a talented pass-catching tight end. Speaking about tight ends who just suddenly take over. However, what the Jacksonville Jaguars do not have is a playoff-caliber quarterback. We all know that. Blake Bortles sucks. Yada, yada, da. Who could they possibly be looking to target at the trade deadline. It's Minnesota's own Teddy Bridgewater. Yes. He's coming back from just complete destruction of his knee. Who knows what he's going to be able to do on the field, but Jacksonville is willing to take the risk. Minnesota has got all three quarterbacks coming at the end of their contract. So they're going to have to pick between Sam Bradford, Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater. Anyways, if you can get a little bit of a return for Teddy B who says no, Teddy Bridgewater, when he was with the uh, Vikings, was exactly what the Jaguars needs him to be right now, which is just a game manager. Don't make stupid plays. Don't throw stupid interceptions. Rely on your running game. Get some good play action. Maybe do a little athleticism. Make people miss in the pocket and hit people, hit the open receiver downfield. Teddy Bridgewater can do that. Who knows if he could do that post-constructed knee surgery, but jury's still out. The Jaguars could do this. Make a trade, make a move, get into the playoffs, get Jacksonville happy, and suddenly we got a Jacksonville Jaguars that's ready to take the world over by storm. There, I, fixed, I fixed the Jaguars. I'm not that excited about this idea. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, Teddy Bridgewater is not a particularly great deep ball thrower. I mean, you'll go look up a highlight of him throwing one, but when I watched him, teams were daring him to throw deep by playing short zones and one deep safety. And there were guys running free, and he couldn't hit them because teams knew he couldn't, and they weren't scared of him doing it. He hasn't played in a year and a half. I guess I'm not. Who would you Who would you rather I, have though? If, the if you're going into a playoff excited. game, would you rather have Terry Bridgewater or Blake Bortles going into a playoff game? At least I've seen Blake Bortles play with a team that's winning right now. So I guess that maybe gives slight edge to Bortles. I don't give any. I mean, like. No, I know it's hard. It's like. We don't even know what Teddy Bridgewater is right now. He didn't excite me when he was there. He was just like a quarterback on a team that won. But yeah, I don't know that he's any better just, than this. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. Like, it's it's definitely you have no idea what Teddy Bridgewater is going to look like right now. After I mean, 
again, reports still, I have yet to like fully read exactly what happened to his knee, but it just sounds like it was the worst possible thing that could ever, it was like a dislocated kneecap, torn all of his ligaments and just like complete knee mess upery. Um, so we don't know what I he came reports from. that it also possibly threatened his life at certain points that it was so bad. Uh, yes. It, yeah. It was a terrible thing. Yeah. And like, that's, uh, it is amazing. And, and like huge credit to him for like, even being able to like rehab to the point where taking the NFL field again is a, is a possibility. Like that is, a, it is an amazing feat of determination and, and work ethic and, and just effort. I, I personally just think that what we saw at the tail end of, of the Minnesota Vikings before Bridgewater went down, the tail end of whatever it was, two years ago, um, when they when they lost to the Seahawks, just those last few games ramping up to the playoffs, Bridgewater looked good. He had confidence. He, I understand what you're saying about the deep ball, but he just felt to me, he felt to me like a game manager who wasn't going to lose you the game. And I think Blake Bortles, is not that guy. And when you come to playoff football, you can't be chucking the ball downfield willy nilly and hoping for the best. If you want to make it, if you, even if you just want to make it there, make it to the dance, uh, you need to have someone who's going to make smart decisions. And so I'm trusting Teddy. I'm built, I'm building this trade off of Teddy Bridgewater's brain, but we also don't even know if the body can function. So a lot of, lot of up and downs in this trade scenario. I just purely was trying to figure out how I can fix the Jaguars and turn them into a playoff contender. Just leave them in the AFC South. They'll be fine. Perfect. Just don't even trade them out of there. <laughs> I, I had, uh, by the way, I walked into an um, 18-team dynasty league some years back. Oh and uh, one of the, I had uh, Dalton and Bortles as my, my quarterbacks. And Bortles, I had him in the year that he was playing great. He was getting me tons of points. So, of course, several people offered me a bunch of trades for him, even though he's the one I had under contract for longer. So I traded, here it is. Um, I traded him and Mohamed Sanu, as well as the pick. Uh, and I picked up Alex Smith, wow. <laughs> Emmanuel Sanders, Josh uh, Malga, and uh, an earlier first-round pick. So I moved up in the draft. That's, that's robbery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got it right at the exact time because the oh. very next year his numbers plummeted and I had Alex Smith. <laughs> that is shrewd, shrewd maneuvering. Well, it's the same year I had one where I somebody it was after um Devontae um Freeman's rookie year and it didn't look so great. Mm-hmm. So somebody was trying to trade some picks along the way and just as like a throw-in, said like, "Look, you can also have somebody or Devonte Freeman." I'm like, "Yeah, I'll take Freeman." God, like, he blew up onto my roster. I was like, "Yes, well done, sir. Well <laughs> done." Um, let's move on to our Halloween-themed scary starts and sets for this week. <laughs> Um, since I only have one, I only have one. I'll let you start because I know that you would do a much better job with these and actually giving it solid fantasy advice. <laughs> uh, the first one that I have scary for this week Deshaun, Deshaun Watson playing in Seattle, playing in their home stadium, there in the noise, in the Whoa! rain. The noise against the Legion of Boom. 
Deshaun Watson and his high scoring offense and his league leading touchdowns walks in there to play the top pass defense in this league. It's a scary stud. <laughs> All right. Biggest thing to come out of the podcast so far is that John has an amazing evil laugh. I'm a bass in choirs and uh, sometimes the music for basses is not as interesting. So sometimes we just sit back and practice our evil laughs. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. In fact, I that's someone that's a decision that I have to make this week because Marcus Mariota shocker is on his bye and also just hasn't really been that great. Um, no. And so I got to play I got to play Deshaun against the Seahawks. And it's hard. Like, yeah, again, it's a it, yeah, exactly. It's a scary start exactly for the reason that you like you can't not start him because he's coming off of a bye and he he, he was on fire heading into it. But it's it doesn't make you feel 100% great because he's going up against a phenomenal defense. And we have yet to truly see how he gets tested by by a defense that's this good. Yep. Yeah, it's like a guy you got to start, and this is, you're not going to feel horribly wonderful about it. No, you are, you are simply not. Um, a guy who I have, and my, my one guy, my one scary star is also terrifying for me because I also need to make this decision. But it's tight end Zach Ertz heading to the San Francisco 49ers. Even though the San Francisco 49ers, you might think that they just have the worst defense in football, which, you know, shocker, they kind of do. They're second against tight ends. Um, and Ertz is, we've seen it time and time again with, with the Eagles and how that offense is constructed and how that offense works. Carson Wentz loves himself some Zach Ertz. And so he's been an amazingly re- reliable tight end. In fact, he might be, I think he might be tight end one in, in standard scoring. He is. Ha ha ha. Um, yes. But he's facing off a, a San Francisco defense. That's, that's tough. And like you said, these are these are the kinds of, uh, starts where you can't say no because you can't not start the number one tight end in fantasy right now. Um, but they have held uh, Greg Olson. They held when Greg Olson was in the Panthers, they shut down Greg Olson. They've shut down Jimmy Graham. Uh, they've shut down Jack Doyle. They've shut down Jordan Reed and the Vernon Davis double headed monster, I guess. Uh, they gave up a touchdown to Jason Witten, but that's the only touchdown that they've given up to a tight end. And that was just last week. So you know, it's it's a scary start. <laughs> yeah, no, that was not a good one either. <laughs> it's hard to sit, but yeah, you, you got to start him about that one. He's been so good this year. So it's good. Been just great. Just been leaning on him. He's the only guy who you know every week is getting targets. The yeah. rest of them kind of rotate around. It's kind of hard to project, but yeah, he's he's the most consistent uh, pass catcher on that team, hundred percent. All right, give us another scary start. I guess give me give me your remaining two scary starts. Well, I've got a running back and a wide receiver here. I got one from each category. So we already have Watson in there. Perfect, boys and girls. One other scary start this week is Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt going. He's staying home. 
Denver Broncos defense. He's going to be playing them in the dark. He's going to be playing them on the field. I don't know if he's playing in the dark. I forget. He's, it's probably a new game. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's going to be playing them. They'll be at Arrowhead. Out, but there's somebody in your house, and that's the Denver defense. And they have they have shut down other players this year, and it has been difficult to watch your running backs go up against that team. Kareem Hunt, you have to start him if you've got him. But you're starting him against the Denver defense that has definitely been problematic for players going in this year. However, another scary one, though not as scary because he hasn't produced quite that well. But coming off of his monster welcome back party, Amari Cooper lets his guard down. He goes out by the lake right (laughs) there, goes into Buffalo. And he's going to be playing against a very good Buffalo pass defense. Amari Cooper and to a Crabtree are going in, and who knows how they come out. Scary starts. You don't want you. You have to kind of start them. If you drafted Amari Cooper, you probably drafted him high, and you probably don't have a. I mean, unless you've picked up somebody along the way who has surprised us. Um, I'm trying to even think who that would be that you would picked up as a wide receiver two. No idea. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, unless you've you really packed the front end of your draft with wide receivers, like I did in some leagues, you were really counting on Amari Cooper getting you points this year, and he hasn't. But if you still you, you held on to him, I take it because because you're, I mean, yeah, you, you figure he's turning it on. He did last week, what, 210, 210 yards, is that right? Yep, yeah, I mean, just big Two numbers, touchdowns. yeah, and and looked good, like, got open, but. This is not a team to go trying to push your receivers on. And it's going to be a hard week for them. Um, this is a legitimate sit, I think. I don't think you can touch the, these receivers. Maybe you, you think Oakland's coming around, but Kansas City's defense is susceptible to the pass. Mm-hmm. They have been this year. They give up, they're one of the 10 highest points against in terms of fantasy numbers for pass, for pass catchers, for receivers, I think. Either way, I mean, like they can be thrown on. This uh, Buffalo defense is much harder. It's going to be a road game as opposed to a home game. And they got to go a long ways. I mean, that's a long trip. Yeah. Uh, heading north and east to, to Buffalo. To the so, lake. No, that's, a- that might be the scariest start of all of them because it's going to be so difficult for you to like bring up the courage to bench Amari Cooper after he gave you 30-plus points finally and you're just like oh my god this is it amari is ready to go we're never i never have to worry about him again plug him into the wide receiver wood and i'm done um but the buffalo defense is coming out of the water yeah i think this is the only one like the ones we've had on here before already the ones we already talked about right you start them and you're going to be scared because you're going to have to deal with it but i think you sit amari cooper this week yeah maybe i'm wrong maybe maybe we come back here monday night we're recording this and I, i look foolish but hey i don't know i wouldn't want to do don't it. say it here you don't get credit anyway so you might as well come out make the claim and then when we come back and do it monday you can say hey guys guess what told you to sit amari and you gosh dang right you should have yeah yeah perfect uh all right staring on well, our final hit before we leave you guys tonight and we'll stay in this scary department because we're giving you a Thursday night preview in which the Dolphins take on the Ravens in a game that no one wants to watch. 
Ah! Yeah, this they're giving this a 37 and a half over under. What? Yeah, that well, it was Monday night. Monday night, as of Monday night, 37 and a half over under. Um, yeah, no, I'm taking the under. I guess I will. I don't know. I have something. I mean, for me, I think the I think the Dolphins are going to win. Uh, I think. Spoiler alert, Matt Moore is a better quarterback than Jay Cutler. Shocker. Um, but it's not going to be a pretty game. It's just, I, I mean, I have as my score, if I was picking a score, I was like the 17 to six kind of range. Like, it's just, I just don't trust, I don't trust Baltimore's deep, uh, offense to really be able to conjure anything. I think Jay Ajayi might get on track this week uh, since the Baltimore's run defense seems to be uh, very lackluster. Um, but I just I don't trust either team here to really go crazy. I guess. Yeah, it's like, like I said, I, I I go through these things on Monday. The Ravens right now have the second best pass defense in DVOA and the 16th DVOA rush defense. So they're that's <laughs> legitimate defense. What uh, Miami has is that they're 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 pretty good against the run too. Um, they're they're second against the run, uh, which is what Baltimore actually continues to do and does decently. But they're 28th against the pass. So, yeah, that's a tough one where it's like the the, the only major weakness in terms of these defenses is passing. And you're like, yeah, well, <laughs> Joe Flacco hasn't. Not thrilled with either of the uh, signal callers. But if I've got Jeremy Macklin, that yeah. uh, helps out some. Alex uh, Collins isn't. I don't know. I I like him. I think he's a, a decent football player. He just you know they don't throw well enough and they don't throw short enough to really do a ton. He gets a good amount of carries, but this is a tough defense to run on. Uh, they're playing in Baltimore. I actually was giving a slight edge to the Ravens as I was looking at this one. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I like it. No, uh, I like it. I like. I like the. Uh... The duels. Ravens are plus. And this is the other thing. The, the Ravens defense is better. Ravens yeah. also are plus three in turnovers. That's fair. And the Dolphins are in negative two, which partly part of that's just Cutler. Well, right. Let's make them even without Cutler. And that would be generous, probably. But yeah, I just think uh, the Ravens defense is better. And I think this is going to be a defensive fight. This might be a tough one here to look at. Yeah, well, I think I would go under. Ravens are actually giving three points here today, too, on this game. Uh, probably just because they've got more continuity than than the Dolphins have at this point. I'm going to give the the Ravens the slight edge. I'm going to go with the under. This would be like 13 to 10 or something awful. (laughs) It's just going to be like, it's going to be like a 10, 10 game that no one really cares about. And someone and the Ravens will, Justin Tucker will kick a last second field goal and everyone will be like, Oh, thank God that's over. He is great. Um, of course, he's the, only, he's the only kicker who will kick, who will knock a field goal, and then just start doing victory laps, which is awesome. Kickers need to have some more personality. Uh, not full on uh, Martin Gramatica, though. No, or Guillermo or Gramatica, Bill Gramatica. If anyone remembers the Gramatica brothers, they were a sight to behold. They were, and that Injured is themselves. your week's your week's uh, daily football knowledge dropped by John. You don't remember this. I do. When he jumped and he jumped and he tore his ACL celebrating, right? Yeah, he ended his yeah. season 
celebrating a kick in the game they were losing by like 15 or something i think oh, it's beautiful <laughs> like that was maybe a bit much i have no problem calm down just just to chill uh cool beans any final thoughts before we wrap it up no not really i'm just looking to the thursday game and we'll get on into the the rest of this week here as we get going but yeah i don't have anything else right now to add lovely well we shall wrap this whole thing up uh Make sure to subscribe, like, rate, do all of those great things on iTunes, uh, download the podcast, share it with your friends, give it to your mother, give it to your grandparents. Make sure that we uh, are passed along in all three generations because we are tri-generational. Uh, that's, you know, that's our audience, who we cater to. Uh, follow John at jbarn54 on the Twitter sphere, myself at PM Rogers, and the podcast as a whole at RB1 Podcast. Uh, And until next week, remember that we care about your fantasy football team until Tuesday morning.